ever been listening to your favorite podcast and think, hey, I want to start my own? Then you need Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, everyone's favorite word, free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hello, my beautiful people, and welcome back to the Bibliophile Hour. I am your host slash cousin, Erica the Bibliophile, and we are on day 18 of Read a Book, Record a Podcast, where I record an episode for every day of the month of January. We're starting out 2021, being very motivated and getting my podcast into gear. And today's book is called Trust My Love, Not Their Lies by Kaylin. She was formerly Kaylin Kiara, but now it's just Kaylin. Let's get started. I just have a quick disclaimer. I am recording this on Sunday and this is football Sunday and we love football in my house. So I am sacrificing watching a game to record this episode, which is no problem. Because I love football and I love books. So if you hear a lot of screaming in the background or if you hear a lot of noise, excuse that. And also, I would like to add, if you want me to read a book or, you know, discuss one of your books in my episodes, you can DM me on Instagram or Twitter and we can talk about it. So we're starting with Savon Swift aka Vaughn, who is a major rapper doing an interview for a radio station, Urban Complex. And he's been having some troubles lately. He recently had some charges brought against him that he handled. So he's just focusing on getting back to the music. But he makes a point of saying being famous doesn't make people inhuman. I love my fans. Anybody that follows me or been down with me knows that but I'm a person. So I have a feeling it might have something to do with paparazzi or fans trying to get too close and he had to defend himself. And he says, you know, we all got morals we live by and operate by. Me being a famous rapper doesn't change that. And the interviewer asks, do you feel like celebrities in general have it hard? And it's like, it's not that they have it hard, but people think once you decided to get into entertainment you also sign up for all the other stuff that comes with it because that's a known thing even in real life it's just like well you signed up to be a rapper it's like yeah I signed up to rap I signed up to entertain people but I didn't sign up for people to be stalking me for people to be sitting outside my house with cameras that doesn't automatically come with the life People try to make it seem so, but it's like, I don't have to deal with that part. I'm like, yeah, this is my career, but that's not a part of the career. The interviewer who Savan describes as family also asks if he's interested in anyone or, you know, is there any relationships going on or is he just still being a player? And he says he's good on love. Love and loyalty has let him down more times than he can count. 
and he rarely gets back what he dishes out as far as loyalty. So, you know, he's decided to just play the field. And he tells her that she's being kind of nosy, the interviewer, Megan. And she says, you know, I'm just asking what the fans want to hear, which is true. Because it's like, if you listen to your favorite artist, actor, whatever, do an interview, it's just like, I don't want to hear these same old boring interview questions. Give me something else. And he's like, you know, no, but I'm just doing me. And he says, I'm also focused on the music and my family. Life is too short to be worried about everything else. And he also has a son that recently, I guess there was a video of him performing with him. So, you know, that kind of went viral. And also then she asks about him glorifying, you know, the hood lifestyle, you know, guns, women, the vulgar language all that type of stuff and he says people often criticize me talking about my experiences for glorifying certain situations but the reality is that's life where I'm from which is true it's like you do have a lot of people who fake the funk but then you have people who really live that life and they're living to tell their story it just happens to go to a beat and you can't be mad at that he is also after the interview his manager tells him he has a meeting for Foot Locker it's a pitch meeting and he could possibly be in a commercial and while they're at the meeting well before the meeting excuse me he just has thoughts of his brother because in the interview Megan gave her condolences his older brother Dre committed suicide and you know it still bothers him to this day and he doesn't like to talk about it but she just gave her condolences and he appreciated but he's just reminiscing about how he got the call from his mom screaming into the phone about how his brother was gone and that made him step up as far as being the quote-unquote man of the family So now he has to take care of his mom. Um, His brother had a baby mom and two kids. So, you know, now he has to look out for everybody. And growing up, he wanted to be like his brother. He got into the streets simply to emulate his brother. And, you know, he just wanted to be exactly like him. But his brother was fighting demons that either nobody knew about or they just couldn't help the, help him out with them so unfortunately he took his life at the meeting Vaughn isn't really paying attention because his manager who is also his cousin Chanel is working out the details with the guy who's there to meet them so you know he's just looking around the restaurant and a pretty brown-skinned woman seated a few tables away catches his attention well at least her lips do because they're you know they're big pretty lips and I have a appreciation for big pretty lips and he's seen her before on Instagram where his cousin has shouted out her business before where she makes like soaps and skincare things so you know he's he knows her a little bit but doesn't really know her So while he's sitting at the meeting, he goes to Instagram and DMs her asking her about the dessert. And she completely ignores the first message until he DMs her again. And 
she brushes him off basically like you know shouldn't you be focusing on who you're at the table with and you know he just tries to kick a little game like kick it with me tonight and she's like no no thanks and the lady's name is brooklyn kelly she is actually having dinner with her sister quote unquote half sister because they just share a dad and not a mother and her best friend Ambrielle and they're celebrating the relaunching of her business she had to put it on hold when her parents got divorced so now she's picking it back up and they're out celebrating and you know like they're just talking and I didn't like how you know when it comes time to pay her best friend is like you got this right and it's like girl what how do you come out with the intentions of not paying for your food but um she agrees to pay and the waiter tells her you know it's actually already been taken care of and she's like you know by who and she the waiter didn't say but she said i was asked to give you this and i'll be back with your to-go order which she didn't order to go order but it's a gift from you guessed it bond and he left her a note saying the chocolate cake is much better is a much better dessert enjoy it on me so he got her a cake and a bottle of wine and then her friend uh says damn I, now i wish i would have ordered something more expensive and already she gonna get on my nerves because it's just like not only are you cheap but then when you find out somebody else paying you trying to add more onto the tab like girl are you serious you should just sit there and be grateful that you didn't have to pay for anything but then when they get in the car together she just keeps talking about bomb like how fine he is how rich he is and all the things she would do if she had the chance and it's just like ambriel really like can you just shut up please like she is so annoying but at first brooklyn wasn't gonna say anything but then she dms dms him and says thank you you didn't have to do that and he's like you're welcome i know and it's just like basically they leave it at that and the next day brooklyn like she really didn't have a good nice rest her mind was racing thinking about vaughn and then the other half was spending time you know playing out scenarios of what would probably never happen but you just you know it's flowing through your mind and i do that a lot that's part of my anxiety and my insecurities you know it's just really you just sit there like well this could happen and this could happen and it's like it can either be good or bad but it's it leaves you restless is basically what i'm trying to say so brooklyn gets a call from her mom saying that she needs a ride to work and brooklyn is like you know what's going on you got your own car she needs to get a new tire and she knew that but she hadn't quote unquote gotten around to it and it's just like what do you mean you hadn't gotten around to it if you knew you needed a tire and so brooklyn gets up and she goes over to her house and she gets out and goes inside because her mom had a shaky voice and she knew something was wrong and she opens the trash can and sees two bottles of wine sitting right on top and her mom says you didn't have to get out and she points to the bottles like you know what is this you know you're not supposed to be drinking and she's like it's wine brooklyn 
And it's just like, okay, but it's alcohol. If you know you're not supposed to be drinking alcohol, it don't matter what kind of alcohol it is, you're not supposed to be drinking it. And since the divorce, Brooklyn has been babysitting her mom. And she says her mom doesn't have anyone in her corner but her. So she feels like she has to cater to her mom since she's now all alone but it's like she's okay she may be no longer married but your mom is grown you don't have to come to her aid and cater to her especially if she's making the decision to drink when she knows she's not supposed to her mom's name is sabrina and she has recently had two duis and brooklyn feels like she should be a little more cognizant of her actions but she's still drinking and she has been court ordered to stay away from it. So it's like if she's been ordered by the court to stay away from it and she's still drinking, you basically got to let your mom do what she going to do because that's a grown woman. And she knows the consequences of her drinking and what could happen and she's still choosing to do it. So, you know, you're not her crutch. Don't be her crutch. And her dad, the reason for their divorce is because her dad grew tired of being her crutch or her clutch you know and he'd had enough and she's having a flashback of when he came over to tell her that they were getting a divorce and you know she's just like she's not really phased by it but he's just like you know I'm tired I've basically gave in too many times and I'm done I can't keep enabling her and I don't want you to either and her thought process is you're leaving now I'm all she has left but Brooklyn you're not her parent baby you're the child but the problem is she's always covered for her mom when her dad would go out of town on business she would lie and say that her mom wasn't drinking knowing very well that she had been and she would cover for her so this this is a cycle from her childhood and she just seems to not be able to let it go and telling her dad you know you're leaving now so I'm all she has left it's like you're not gonna guilt trip me into continuing to enable her drinking habits it's like this is she's getting DUI she's crashing cars like okay who's gonna say no to her so yeah I'm leaving I'm done and that's the problem when you live with an addict or somebody who has some sort of problem. It's like you just keep giving in to them. You're not helping them even though you think you are. And, you know, he had told her, I never tell you to turn your back on your mom, but don't allow her problems to become your problems, which that's exactly what she did. And, you know, he told her, you have your whole life ahead of you. Don't limit yourself to worrying about her. And, you know, back to the present, Sabrina says, you know, she was drinking because she missed Brooklyn's dad. And it's just like, so you're doing the very thing that caused you to lose him because you miss him. It's like, sis, if you don't check yourself into a program and get some help. Vaughn gets a call from Tashay, who is or was his brother's baby mom saying you know his niece had has been crying all night and she let her stay home from school because you know she didn't know what else to do she won't say what's the matter 
And when she tries to get her to talk, she just says that she misses her dad. And, you know, she can't fix that. So she just doesn't know what to do. So Vaughn comes over and Tashay, she looks a mess. You can tell that it's taking a toll on her as well. She misses uh, Dre as well. And then it's like, what What do I do about my kids? So he tells her, you know, take a breather, step out. I'm going to talk to her. And at first, Mimi, the niece's name, and um, she didn't want to talk. She told him to go away, but he... Oh, excuse me. He got her to come out and talk and she's upset because there's a father-daughter dance coming up and her dad always took her to those, but now he's not here. And, you know, she says he was always with me and the other kids are talking about what they're going to wear and I have nobody. And she starts knocking over lamps. She's throwing pillows and she's getting louder and she says, it's not fair why don't I get to have my dad? What did I do? And it's just like, oh, Lord. Because, like, how do you explain to an 11-year-old? Those are heavy thoughts, man. And it's like, they're smart enough to get it, but it's almost like you're not ready to have that, quote-unquote, grown-up conversation with them. Because it's just like, there's nothing that you did, but your father and his emotions and his thoughts he couldn't handle them so unfortunately that leaves you without a father but that just sounds so cold and you don't want to say that to a child and Vaughn offers to go and she says you can't go because the girls in my class like you and that's nasty which is true because and I've always thought about that like the Family members of celebrities, like the kids, they have to sit in class and hear people fantasizing about their family member, like talking about how fine they are, what they would do to them, how much they love them. And then you're just sitting there thinking like, first of all, gross. And then like, that's my uncle or that's my cousin. That's my aunt. Like some, that's some sort of relative to me. And I just got to hear you basically fangirling over them. But Vaughn tells her, I can't replace your pops. I would never try, but I promised him I would always be there for you and your brother. I know that was your thing with your dad, but I'm your date if you want to be one. And she manages to get a new dress out of it. I think in some shoes too. And then he gets a call from his baby mama. They have a terrible relationship. And... He is currently in Atlanta, but he's from D.C. And that's where his baby mama and his son still are. She refuses to move. But she calls him and says, I'm having car trouble. And Vaughn says, you know, like, I don't know what that got to do with me. And she says, I needed to get your son. Excuse me. I needed to get your son around unless you want him on the metro. You get child support every month. Figure it out. That's not enough. Since when is $15,000 not enough? Like, come on now, girl. We came from the hood. What? How can you not manage $15,000? And even if you didn't come from the hood, say you came from a suburban family, a middle class, like, how can you not make $15,000 work a month? Like, come on now. Not a year, a month. You can't find you a nice little complex and get a reasonable car and just get it fixed. But no, this hood rat is looking for a whole brand new car because she's having car troubles. Why don't you fix the car you got? I'm not going to go out and buy you a whole brand new car. 
And then she says, I agree to that amount. I'll, out of the kindness of my heart, I can easily take you to court and get everything I'm owed. And then he actually, you know, was fucking my homeboy out of the kindness of your heart. And she swears she didn't do it. But, um, you know, he... He like, I don't even want to talk about it. That ain't the point. You want a new car is not my problem or an emergency for you to be blowing up my phone. Because she's been calling him all day and he's basically over it. So Vaughn jumps back into Brooklyn's DMs and he gives her his number. So she texts him and he turns around and FaceTimes her. You know, they're just talking, having conversation. And... She's basically telling him, you know, like, I ain't really feeling you like that, whatever, whatever. And you only want me like for my body. But he tells her, I don't need you for pussy, shorty. That comes easy. So if that's what I wanted, I damn sure wouldn't be talking to your difficult ass. And she's like, I'm difficult because I don't drop to my feet and bow like everybody else. And sadly, that's the truth. Like, he's been a rapper. He's been famous for so long that... He's used to getting his way. So now that he has someone that isn't doing that, he's intrigued by her. You know what I mean? So his mom, uh, his baby mama is on Instagram posting that he's a clown and that he's worried about women, that, sh that he can't even make sure that his son is good. I love my son, but I swear some days I wish I swallowed just so I didn't have to deal with his daddy's whack-ass circus and it's just like when you post stuff like that you know your son is gonna see that right so even though you say you love him you're basically saying you regret having him because you got to deal with your baby's father and it's just like girl what are you talking about why don't you go uh spend that fifteen thousand dollars that you get why don't you go find yourself another nigga and quit worrying about him because you swear that you don't want him and all you want him to do is be a father to his son. But when he tries, here you come with the neck rolling and the attitude and getting in the way. Anytime you think that he's with another woman. Because with being on social media, he's constantly pictured with a different woman. And every time she has something to say about that. But it's like, girl, okay, he not with you. You don't have no claim over him just because y'all got a child together. But this also puts Brooklyn in her feelings because, you know, he hasn't texted back. She texted him and he didn't text her back. So she's feeling a way about it. And Talia asks her, you know, how are you doing? And she's like, what do you mean? She's like, you know, you've been so focused on everybody else's problems that you don't take care of yourself. You promised after the divorce was final that you were going to get back to business. Now it's time to get back to business. You know, stop worrying about your mom and do what you have to do for you. That is a grown woman. And, you know, I don't know. Brooklyn, she really got on my nerves because it's such a, in this story, it's such a back and forth of her constantly talking about she's all that she has of her mom, but she's also tired of dealing with this. And it's just like, what is the saying? You know, when you sick and tired of being sick and tired, you'll do something about it. So it's just like, when are you going to do something? Because she's going to continue to do this because she knows that she has you to fall back on. But um, anyway, Vaughn sends her lunch 
with a note that says mixing up those potions must be exhausting so enjoy lunch on me and this kind of throws her off guard because like I said she texted him and he didn't respond so it's just like you can't respond to my text but you can send me lunch and so anyway after she's done at her warehouse she texts her not text she calls her ex-boyfriend because you know she needs some relief and instead of finding somebody new she just goes back to him because he always answers when she calls and gives her what she wants so after they have sex you know he basically says that you know he's gonna have her again and she's gonna be his and you know she's basically like no that's not what it's gonna be and he asked her, you know, why else do you keep coming back? I mean, I know the sex is good, but look at you. Getting another nigga isn't a problem. Is that all you see when you look at me? I didn't mean it like that. It's cool. And he tells her, you know, don't use that as a cop-out to leave. I'm not. I had no business coming here in the first place. But And it's like, yeah, you would say that after you done got what you wanted. So now it's like, I shouldn't have came here. Like, girl, now that you've got your relief... You realize that this was not a good move, but it's just like, yeah, clarity is always be better after a nut. And he tells her, you know, stop trying to find something wrong in everything I say. Then be honest. What is it about me? Why are you so pressed to be with me? Why do you keep letting me come in and out of your life like this? And he says it's because he loves her. And that's that might be his fault because it sounds like she's the one with the problem. You need to be asking yourself that question because obviously something is missing when you look in the mirror. And that's on you, not me. And I kind of agree. Because like I said, after her problems with her mom, she has this complex of people only wanting to talk to her or get to know her because she's pretty. So she has the pretty girl complex where it's just like, I want somebody to get to know me for something else besides my looks or want to be with me besides my looks. So it's just like, Brooklyn girl, you got too much going on and I leave your ass right where you at because I cannot deal. It's like, it don't make sense. And later on that night, uh, her sister and her best friend get her to come out to the club and Vaughn is there. So he texts her, you know, why didn't you tell me you were coming? And she says, I don't have to tell you everything. And he tells her, you know, you're supposed to let your man know stuff like this. I could have hooked you up. You are not my man, she tells him. He says, not yet, but I'm working on it. And at first she tries to resist. But he says, if you don't come over, I'm going to get on the mic and call you out. And so she makes her way over to him. And he's looking at her. He's feeling her. But he notices that uh, Ambrielle, like, she, she too thirsty. And I said, see? People have that type of energy. Like, going back once again to the Thug series, Tasha's sister, Trina, it's like you give off that thirsty energy that you only want somebody for their money, and you can't hide it. So while she thinks she being sexy, he already peeping that uh, she real easy, and she just wants some attention and some money. And so when she says what's up, she's like, can I get a picture? And then um, she asks Brooklyn to take it. And then she's like trying to be all up on him. And it's just like, okay, I'm here for your friend. Can you get on my way, please? And then Vaughn tells her, you know, when this is all over, you're coming back to the crib with me. You know, you can bring your girls and stuff, but um, 
when this is all over, you come in with me. Chino, who is who used to be Bond's friend, but now they have this unspoken beef, comes into the club. And, you know, they used to be cool until Chino started hating. And he's like, you know, I used to look out for him. I put money in his hand when he didn't have it, paid lawyer fees, looked out for his family when he was locked up, only for him to shit on my name. Instead of playing nice like shit was sweet, I returned the same energy he gave. So lately, he's been running his mouth, posting stuff on Instagram, making subliminal messages, and... You know, Vaughn ain't been paying him no attention, but it seems like everywhere he go, Chino is there or calling him out, having his name in his mouth in some sort of way. And it's just like, you swear you don't care about me or you feel some type of way about me. So why are you always talking about me? Why would you not ignore me? That's what I don't get. If you claim you don't like somebody and, you know, you don't care about them, it's like, then why are you exerting all of this energy towards him? So when Vaughn brings them back to his house, he's skeptical, skeptical, okay, about letting Ambriel in because he can tell that she's just a type to get attention, but he knew that they were a package deal, so he let he let her come. He gets Brooklyn away from everybody else and takes her to his studio, and you know they're just talking, and she asks you know, where his son was. And, you know, he tells tells her that he's in D.C. with his mom. And, of course, she's just like, hmm, I know how that goes. Dudes think that baby moms is guaranteed pussy for life. You know, like, once you hit it, it's always yours. And Vaughn tells her, you know, trust me, that's the last bitch you need to worry about. And Brooklyn's trying to be respectful. She's like, don't call her a bitch. He's like, trust me, you've never met her. She couldn't have been that bad. You got her pregnant. Look, I was 17 and I didn't know any better. So, you know, don't make it seem like it's more than what it is. I'm telling you straight up, we not like that. So he gives her a tour of the house, but they go back to check on the girls. And Ambria is alternating between Naaman, who is like Vaughn's right-hand man, and Xavier, who is a childhood friend who just came home from doing like four years in jail. Basically, and she's sliding back and forth, grinning in these niggas' faces, basically trying to see which one is going to take the bait first. But Naaman was looking at Talia, so her sister. So it seems like Xavier going to have to be the one they go to. And, you know, as they're walking around his house she says your house is amazing if i lived here i would never leave and he says move in then and it's just like what and he's like i'm just playing i'm like nah you sound like you were serious for a minute because he's really like feeling her but i'm like y'all haven't really talked like y'all talk but y'all ain't talk like that for you to i don't know and once again she's talking about him having all these type of women and he basically tells her, you know, I'm a single man. I am I can move how I want. But tell me more about your business. Because it's just like, she keeps making these sly little comments. But it's like, if I'm not tied down to nobody, why do I have to move as if I'm a married man? Like, you only going to see me with one person. I'm single. So if you see me with a different woman every day of the week, that's my business. 
And you know, when I was younger, I thought like, ooh, that's trifling, but if that's the case, like, I'm not tied to nobody and I don't have to have this like prim and proper reputation for you. Like, who are you? If I feel like I want to see a different person, that's me. You ain't got no say so in that. And, you know, once again, they're talking about her business and she wants to have a part in health and wellness, like a little bit of everything, like working out, teas, excuse me, um, the soap and all that type of thing. And, you know, this started when her dad got sick. So she was researching food and learning about the powers of different foods. So, you know, she's not a vegan, but she's very smart about what she puts in her body and what she consumes and how much. And she asked the age-old question of if he always knew that he wanted to do music. And he says, no, like his only goal was trying to avoid death in jail. And music gave him a means to do both. And he was good at it because, you know, like he was out in the streets. But pretty soon street life gets old, too. So it's just like, okay, what else can I do? And... She tells him later on, like, I'm not into your little disappearing act, popping in, my, popping in and out of my inbox when you feel like it because you think you have it like that. And then he's like, if memory served me correctly, I sent you lunch. But that was before you ghosted me. You didn't, you don't get to force your way into my life and then dip out when you feel like it. That might work for some, but not for me. And, you know, that makes him like her even more because once again, she's not basically bowing down to whatever he says and so when they come back out of the studio he tells her um because as they were walking past the bathroom you know how you can see the shadows under the light and you see two shadows under there so he tells her you know like i think your homegirl is fucking my man and so brooklyn jumps up and she's like she's drunk but he says you know and she's also grown and she wants to have sex tonight that's her business ain't nothing going down that she don't want to happen believe me your girl ain't that drunk don't be cock blocking because i won't fuck you and she said won't fuck me please you couldn't fuck me even if you wanted to good i don't want to anyway i like to talk and chill too everything that doesn't have to be about sex is that why you're with a new woman every day of the week and it's like girl please let it go and so he tells her you know take a trip with me Let's get on a plane, go somewhere, and kick it. All expense paid. Ain't that what ain't that what y'all want these days to get fluid out? Who is y'all? Don't compare me to nobody. And I'm like, right. Everybody do not want to take a trip with a stranger just to say that they went they went somewhere. I'm like, even if I did look like an Instagram model, no, that sounds creepy. Anything could happen to you. Why would you just willingly go somewhere with somebody? Because they called you pretty and said they want to spend some time with you. You're going to end up chopped up somewhere. And she tells him, I think you need to work on being consistent before we go anywhere together. Like, how about right here in Atlanta, I talk to you every other day. And we actually stay in constant communication before you try to fly me out somewhere. But he says that his upcoming work schedule is hectic. So, you know, he'll try. But she tells him, you know, people make time for what they want to. So, which is true. It's like, no matter how busy you are, you could take like 30 seconds to a minute, shoot a little text, make a quick five minute phone call, 
Yeah, you busy, but you ain't that busy. And a few days later, you know, he claimed he would be consistent, but he wasn't. And it has been almost, I said a few days. It's been two months since their initial interaction. And, you know, he just hasn't kept up. So she's meeting with her dad and her dad just, you know, asks how she's doing, asking how her mom is doing. And she's making, you know, snide little comments saying, if you want to know how she's doing, why don't you ask yourself? Because the relationship isn't good and they should probably stay away from each other. And then he asks her, you know, how she's handling everything. And he's like, you know, I know that you've assumed the position of enabling her and it's like not assume she's been doing that but she says it's exhausting but she doesn't have anybody else thanks to you and it's supposed to be a joke but it's like that's not a joke that's how you really feel you kind of want them to get back together so you don't have to cover for her anymore but it's like even if they did get back together you've been doing that your whole life so you're still gonna do it and quit trying to make it seem like Somebody is responsible for her. That is a grown-ass woman. She's responsible for herself. The fact that you decided to take on that role, unfortunately, it started when you were a child, but you're grown now, and you have plenty of people telling you that you don't have to do this, but you still decide to do it. And her dad tells her, you know, your mother lived her life. Don't let her guilt you into centering yours around her. You know, be better than me. Do not let her lure you into waiting on her hand and foot while she decides to still go out and drink. And then this somehow turns into, I don't know if I want to get married from her. And she says, you know, it seems more of a headache, putting your trust into someone, hoping that they'll do the right thing. is scary. Most people can't even do right by themselves, but you expect them to do right by you. It's a lot. So basically, she's taking her parents' relationship and using it as a crutch herself to not let anybody into her life because she doesn't want to end up like them. But it's like, you don't know what the future holds for yourself. Because what am I trying to say? Because history does repeat, repeat itself, but not in the way that she's trying to make it seem like the exact same thing is going to happen to her. So it's like... So should you be an alcoholic by now just because your mom was one? Or is? Not even was, is. And her dad says, It amazes me how fearless you can be at times and afraid the next. Just because things didn't work out for me and your mom doesn't mean your story will be the same. So basically what I said, it's just like you are scared and hiding behind them when it's like, girl, you are your own person. It's time for you to step out and do something else. And she goes over to her mom's house and who's there but Jay, her ex-boyfriend, enjoying a glass of wine. And it's just like, why are you here? And then it's just like, why are you drinking wine? Because if him being her ex-boyfriend, he knows about her mom. And it's like, you know that she shouldn't be drinking that. So why are you sitting here drinking with her? And he says, you know, I was nearby and I just wanted to check on her. And when she brings up the wine, she says, I know, but it was only one glass and I even put my keys up for the night. It's like, that's not the point. You shouldn't be drinking. It don't matter that you not driving. You shouldn't be drinking, period. And they look so much alike that 
people often mistake them for sisters instead of mother and daughter. And her mom is walking around with a pair of short shorts and an off-the-shoulder shirt with no bra underneath. And Brooklyn tells her, don't you want to change clothes while you're at it? And although it is, like, not an appropriate outfit, I'm like, I'm at home. No, I don't want to change clothes. But it do seem fishy, too. It's just like, why, even if y'all just sit here enjoying wine, why are you sitting like that in front of my ex-boyfriend? And while her mom goes to change clothes anyway, she asks him, how many glasses has she had honestly? Because she said she only had one, but it's really her second glass. And she's like, you know she's not supposed to drink. I know the routine. I took her keys. It's like, okay, y'all keep saying you took her keys. She could still get into trouble not behind a vehicle. Like, that doesn't make it better. So Vaughn is making a club appearance and an artist that he works with, also has sex with, Yelani, comes over to him. And while he's there, Chino walks up speaking to Yelani, you know, saying, what's up? When you gonna come kick it with a real nigga? And she tells him, I'm already with a real nigga standing right next to Vaughn. And this man says everything that glitters ain't gold. And it's like, nigga what so basically you're trying to call him fake without calling him fake and this grown man is standing right here why would you not say that to him instead of talking indirectly towards him like you so soft and Naaman says you the last nigga that needs to be speaking on what's real take that somewhere else and then Chino directs towards Vaughn you can't speak for yourself Vaughn tells him, I'm not for all the talking. So either you're going to make a move or you need to get on my face. And then he also calls him pressed. It's like, you just looking for some attention. And then he stands up and get closer to Vaughn because he's surrounded by a posse thinking, you know, they going to hold him down. And, you know, that doesn't deter Vaughn at all. He stands up like, okay, what are we going to do? You got all these women around, but you so worried about me. And the truth is, Chino is angry about his career. It didn't take off how he wanted it to. He only had one big hit, and after that, you know, like nothing else sticking. So he's a one-hit wonder mad that he can't go anywhere. And he tried to get Vaughn on a track with him, but Vaughn doesn't just jump on anything. And he's like, I'm not attaching myself to it any and everybody so and the song was trash so when he turned chino down he accused vaughn of blackballing him like in the industry and that's why he can't go nowhere and you know like he chino don't do nothing so that was just that like it fell flat and at the end of the night he takes yelani home with him because, of course, you know, she wasn't leaving by his side with the hopes of getting the invitation. And so he does. And after they have sex, you know, she's asking about Brooklyn. And he's like, you know, that's not our relationship. So you don't have the right to ask me about what I'm doing outside of this right here. So mind your business. And, you know, after they have sex, they're supposed to get to work because they are in the studio. And Brooklyn calls him and he's shocked to hear from her because, you know, they still haven't really 
spoke. It's just sporadically here and there having interactions with each other. Excuse me. But, you know, she's um up late at night still doing some work. And she knew that he would be up. And Yelani is, like, paying attention to his conversation and how he's talking. And he asks her again, you know, like, you going to take that trip with me? And here goes Yelani hating ass. I'm going to the bathroom to freshen up. I'm feeling a little sticky after you came. And it was solely for the purpose to be known, like, that she's there and that they just had sex. So, and of course, Brooklyn gets upset. So she's like, you know, go ahead and finish your business. Good night. And she hangs up. And then Yelani comes back out. And she's like, what did I do? And he threatens like all men do. You need to chill out before I cut you off. But it's like, you should have been cut her off for the simple fact that you know she wants a relationship out of you are more out of what y'all doing. But you only using her for sex. And it's like, that's the only time y'all kick it or work. And she don't understand that because she always asking questions about what you doing. And, um, you know, try to lay claim on you. And you seen what she just did on the phone. So it's just like, she should have been cut off. And, of course, she says, you say that all the time, yet here you are. And he says, I can show you better than I can tell you. Keep fucking with me. But it's just like, you telling her that basically, as long as she's throwing pussy away, you cool. Because you continue to let her back, even after she showed you that she act like a hood rat. And tries to lay claim, and y'all not together. So it's just like... <sighs> niggas kill me and i just don't understand and brooklyn has been ignoring him you know she won't respond to his calls or his texts since she heard that statement and it's just like yeah we're not together i ain't got no claim on you but that's just mad weird to hear through the phone because it's just like really and what desperate bitch you got around you that will say some stuff like that because it ain't even about me being jealous it's just like what type of people are you surrounding yourself with because that was mad lame. It's just like, okay, he just came on you. Wow, you so proud to announce that. Thirst bucket. And But she admits that she is jealous because she wants to experience that with him. Like, she's attracted to him, but she's only had her thoughts and imagination to go off on. So to hear a woman have that with him, she's upset. And they're going out that night and Vaughn calls her, asking her, you know, to come out to eat and they have some time to kick it together. So, but she doesn't want to go out. She's like, you know, I don't want to be seen out in public, no offense, but that's just too much of a hassle. So they agreed to have dinner at his house and he's like, cool. Because a woman not wanting to be seen with him, he can respect that. Because, of course, him being this big rapper, people always want to be seen. They always want to have their pictures taken with him or be linked to him in some way. So, for her not wanting any of that, that's just another, like, thumbs up to her credit. And he warns her, don't stand me up. And she says, I'm a woman of my word. You know, I'll be there. And when she gets to his house, Xavier answers the door and he's looking at her like not the way that a friend should be looking at a homeboy's potential girl, girl, whatever, somebody he's interested in. And he's like, what's up, baby girl? And she's like, "Uh, is Vaughn here? 
And he says, possibly, who are you? And it's like, nigga, you saw me the other night. You know exactly who I am. Get out my way. And um, Bavon shows up and he's like, hey, back the fuck up. My bad, bro. I didn't know. How didn't you know? You saw them together the other night. Everybody saw them together. You know what it is. Don't act like you don't know. And, you know, they're talking, they're vibing. And she can tell that something's going on with him. And he doesn't really like to talk about his feelings and what he's going through. But Brooklyn asks if he ever thought about going to therapy. And he says, nah, music is my therapy. And I'm just like, no, sweetheart. You need to literally talk to somebody about this trauma that you are going through. Like your brother committed suicide. Like even your childhood of growing up in the hood and having to sell drugs and kill people like you need to talk to somebody about that you shouldn't just be holding all that in and then saying that you get your words out through your music like that's a part of it but you really haven't done the work to heal yourself but of course what black man from the hood i should say because i i was gonna say what black man does but black men from the hood they ain't talking out their feelings with nobody so once again they had this conversation of him moving quote unquote wow with a whole lot of women and once again he has to tell her that he's single and sidebar if i had any critique about this book that is one thing that i did not like there's a lot of repetition of him being with a lot of women her and her mom issues it's just like every other page it was the same thing this kind of this book could have been cut down a little bit I still enjoyed it so you know that's no shade to the author please don't take that the wrong way but this could have been cut down a little bit but yeah so he says you know I'm single so I live like a single man but when I'm not you know like when he's in a relationship he moves like he's in a relationship and the question comes up of him ever cheating before and he says of course and i was like i don't like that of of course it it shouldn't be of course like people can be in relationships and not cheat so of course is not an answer um and she tells him and this was another thing like separating the artist from the person because she tells him savon is cool but then vaughn gets in the way and it's just like oh okay um Anyway, so he's back on this trip thing again. And, you know, she's not really with it. And she just says, you know, I'll get back to you on that. And he tells her, don't take too long. But it's like, what is taking too long? What if I don't want to go with you? Like, I really still don't know you like that. Like, we can get to know each other without me, you know, leaving with you. And so after she talks to her sister who tells her, you know, you need to go, go have some fun quit being so like what am I trying to say like stuck up just go so she texts him you know like where are we going and he tells her to clear her schedule so he takes her to Montana and I thought that was so cute but before he does he goes and spends some time with his son and I mentioned earlier that his son performed with him and his son also wants to make beats like that's his thing he wants to make beats so he spends time with him doing that 
And then they spend time in Montana, him in Brooklyn. And it's a it's a nice time. Like they vibe together. It's cool. But one thing is he goes down on her, but they don't have sex. And for somebody who swore that she wasn't like on that level with him and wanting to experience that with him, she felt the way when it didn't happen. And I was like, I don't get it. Like what? Like, if you say you don't want that and he respects that, but then you feel away when it doesn't actually happen, like, why are you playing these games? Just say what you want and let that be that. But I did want to mention, like, at some point, he did FaceTime with his son and she felt the way about that. Well, it says I wanted to be mad because it was our last day together. But it's just like, okay, yeah, we spent the time getting to know each other. But I'm not going to put my child on a back burner for you. And why would you be mad? If anything, you should be happy that he's actually a good father and talking to his son. Instead of just sending money and like don't communicate with his kid at all. I had a problem with that. Because it's just like, what are, what are you mad about? But he also like flashes the camera towards her to show his son like who she is. And she's like, you know, it just caught her off guard. And... Then they have the conversation of actually going out or being in a relationship. Because Vaughn this whole time has been calling her his lady or she going to be his lady. And she tells him, you know, consider this your first 30-day trial and we're going to see how it goes. And it was nice. Oh, excuse me. So when she makes it back home, she gets a visit from... And Brielle, who is upset that she had to find out through the blogs that she was with Vaughn. But Ambriel is also a hater and says, how is my best friend going to be fucking my man? And she's like, your man? Yes. In my head, that's been my man. And right then and there, that should have told um, Brooklyn something. Because friend or not, don't play with me like that. If you find out that we're really in a relationship, you like the artists. You like the flashy money. You probably like the videos. You like the fame, the glam of it all. But you don't like the real person. So don't come to me talking about how can you be fucking my man then talking about, um, you know, I'm just playing. And then Brooklyn tells her, you know, he's my man now. So you better lose interest and fast. And then she's going to say, you took my man and you coming at me? Like, girl, stop playing with me. This is not a joke. This is really my man. We are in a real relationship. This ain't nothing fake. And it ain't that bullshit that you made up in your head. Stop playing with me. And... Oh, excuse me. So after her first time of having sex with Vaughn, Brooklyn asks him how often do you get tested and he's like damn you know how to kill a mood sorry if if me being concerned about my health and well-being ruins the mood but it's like you didn't think about that before y'all had sex or you didn't say anything asking those type of questions it's like it goes good and then like a thought pops into her head and she just yeah like she ruins the mood she kills the vibe it's just like girl just go with the flow sometimes but, um, you know, he tells her, like, I'm good. And really, uh, and I can understand. I'm not trying to make an excuse because it's just like, I'm good. What does I'm good mean? I do want to see some paperwork. But I can also get where he coming from. Like, you could have asked me about this beforehand. 
And then she's asking him, you know, how many women are you currently having sex with? And he says two, including you. Do you have feelings for her? I care about her. She's good people. Sounds like you're involved with someone. So that immediately just like does something to her. And she's trying to get up and leave. And, you know, he's like, what's going on? Are we doing this just us? Like, is that what you're trying to do? But she tells him, you know, we can take it slow. But just tell me about another woman before somebody else gets the opportunity to. I want to hear it from you and not somebody else. And after that, excuse me. Naaman asks him, how does he think that Yelani is going to take the news that he's with Brooklyn or he's been seen with Brooklyn and he has a session with her coming up and we see how she takes it because she comes in with an attitude. She doesn't really want to talk. She's speaking in dry tones and he's like, you got something you want to get off your chest? And she says, no, we have sex every now and then. And now you got yourself a little, a new little play thing. So I'm good. And he's like, I'm going to ask you one more time. Is there something that you want to say to me? Are are you going to continue to beat around the bush? So, of course, she's like, you took her on vacation. Okay, and, like, why are you worried about what I do? And she says, if you actually took her somewhere, she means something to you. Nothing I have to say is going to change that, so let's just get to work. And this goes back to her wanting more from him and wanting to be in a relationship. Because, and I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but during that interview at the very beginning one of his things is that he doesn't give oral to just anybody he has to be in a relationship and he has to feel a way about them and she's been trying Yelani has been trying to get him to do that and he refuses to and he did it to Brooklyn with no problem and now he done took her on a vacation so that's another hint of him really feeling Brooklyn and not giving her that same energy so she feels away and he says he didn't want Yelani to think she didn't mean nothing to him. But it's not the fact that she doesn't mean anything to you. It's the fact that you don't want to be in a relationship with her. And she cannot force that out of you. So she's just going to have to get over it. So she goes in the booth writing some little rhymes. And okay, here we go. Every bitch ain't replaceable. I'm one of a kind. Trying to hold him down, but he wasting my time. He's like, I'm basic. That's his loss. Because I can't provide that. When it's over with her, this pussy will have him coming right back. And when she comes out, he tells her, I like those lyrics. You did your thing. Yeah, I had to get it out somehow. So it's like, you like her lyrics. And the way of her getting it out is basically throwing shade at your new girl. And you tell her that you like it. Like, what? Make that make sense. And it don't make none, but whatever. Um, and, you know, she basically tells him, we ain't even got to talk to each other. You can send that to the producer or I think her manager, whoever MJ is. And if anything else needs to be fixed, she'll let Naaman know. Like, she won't even talk to him. So she leaves out of there in her feelings. And his thing is, he's never let her on or made her believe there was anything more. And he put boundaries in place and kept it real with her. But those boundaries sound like you didn't keep them. 
Because that night when, before they, I think while they were in the studio, and she said that shit while Brooklyn was on the phone, like, she was hanging all over him, drunk, being possessive, and you still went home with her. So, it's like, you let her know that her actions are okay, because at the end, you still gonna sleep with her. So, what boundaries, like, are you putting in place? Then his baby mama called, talking about, I see you got a new girlfriend. It's just like, why are all of y'all in my business? And... So, you know, he's feeling a way about having to deal with those two women. And then Brooklyn calls and tells him that I got a lot going on right now. And this little thing we doing ain't doing nothing but adding to it. I just need to focus on me and get myself together right now. So all he says is, you got it. And he said, you know, he not begging nobody to be in his life. And that includes Brooklyn. And I can understand that because it's like she got this man going through hoops just to prove that he's a nice regular guy. So and when you used to people basically just throwing it at you, it's like, OK, I'm not going to do too much more begging. And I don't see a problem with it. And, you know, he goes out with Naaman and Xavier to a strip club. But he said it was kind of hard because uh, Ambria was there with with Xavier and the whole night, she's just staring at him. And it's just like, you're supposed to be here for my man. Why are you staring at me? And it's like, once again, you proven that you ain't nothing but a little thirst bucket. So, excuse me. He has a conversation with his mom who asks about the new girl in his life that has Joni all up in arms. But it's like, what girl don't have his baby mama all up in arms? She... Always got to post something on the internet. She always got something to say. So every time he even look in another woman direction, of course it's a problem. And, you know, he's like, what girl are you talking about, mom? And she says, the new whore that you're seeing. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But when you used to dealing with nothing but little hood rats, of course it's going to be a problem. So, um, you know, he says, you know, mom, I'm just out once again, I'm single and I'm doing me and it's not a problem. But she, <laughs> I'm like, how y'all mama call you? She was like, you're a whore too, just like your daddy. And, you know, he says, you don't think I can be in a relationship? Like I could just be with one woman. And she tells him the problem isn't can you. I just don't think you're going to find a woman that's worth all the love that you have to give right now. So I'm like, how did we go from calling him a whore to he just has all this love to give in his heart that he can't give out right now? So Brooklyn got a call that her mom was in the hospital. So she rushes to the emergency room to be by her side. But the thing is, one night after going out for drinks with her co-workers, when she got home, she missed a step and she fell down on the concrete, fracturing her tailbone. And I would have left her right there after that. Like, I'm not doing this with you no more. And her mom tells her, you know, don't look at me like that. Like, you're disappointed, embarrassed, exhausted of dealing with me. And she's like, but that's exactly how I feel. I don't even know why I waste my time. You're going to do what you want anyway. And her mom attempts to apologize, but she's like, save it. I don't need another empty apology. But she's at her beck and call for the next few weeks because she fractured her tailbone. So she can't do anything. 
And then um, she goes to her warehouse and Talia and Ambriel are there. And you can just tell she's worn down. And Ambriel says, if Vaughn broke up with me, I would be stressed out too. And it's like, why is my dude's name always in your mouth? Like, what is the problem? And bitch, he didn't break up with me. So what are you talking about? And she says, don't tell me you broke up with him. Are you okay? You sick? And it's like, girl, get the fuck away from me. And then she just has to throw it out there. I guess that's why he was looking sick the other night. And it's like, girl, why were you even around him? Like, what is your problem? And she says, relax. I was with Xavier's cheap ass. So if he's cheap and the only thing you after is money, then why are you still hanging out with him? With the hopes of being around my man? And I don't see why Brooklyn don't see that. And I would have clocked it. Because it's like, sis, what? And Talia tells her, you know, you need to stop putting your life on hold and go get your man back. You're going to grow old and alone just like your mom because you keep enabling her she has everything and now she has nothing and the only person to blame is her is that what you want for yourself and of course she's just like once again she's on this i'm the only person that my mom has i have to do this and talia tells her you know keep telling yourself that but facts are facts you enable her so she's going to keep doing it dad knows that she's leaning on you. She got hurt doing something that she knows she wasn't supposed to do. And you rearranged your whole life to accomplish her. To accommodate. Sorry, accomplish, Lord. Accommodate her behavior. When are you going to have enough? And she just constantly feels like she has to do this for her mom. It's like, you're not her slave. You know, once again, you are the child. You are not the parent. So why are you doing this? And... Brooklyn found Sabrina was still sneaking alcohol even after this heifer fractured her tailbone. Because, like, she had to help her to the bathroom. And when she comes back in to check on her, like, she's in the bathroom chugging alcohol. So she leaves and, you know, decides that she's no longer going to be responsible or enable her anymore. Which, very good for you, Brooklyn. I am so happy for you, sis. Break the chains. Break every chain, sis. And so when she gets to the warehouse, Talia tells her, you know, we've been having a lot of orders come in because Savon shouted her out on his Instagram. So, you know, she's getting way more business, but she feels away because he hasn't attempt. He hasn't attempt to. Am I saying this right? He hasn't tried to reach out to her. So, you know, she's just like, you know. He going to shout me out on IG, but he not going to hit me up. And it's like, sis, you told him that you wanted nothing to do with him. So he's like, you got it. But, you know, he's feeling her. So he's not ready to let it go completely. And her feelings are hurt because he didn't extend an olive branch or even question my decision. It's like, why would I? I've been doing my part. I've held up my end of the bargain. And when I'm already dealing with some bullshit, you then call me to add on to said bullshit and say that you just got too much going on. All right, cool. You got too much going on. I'm not finna beg you. Like I had to beg you to give me a chance. And then I finally get the chance and not even like a week later, you saying it's too much. Okay, let it be too much. I'm done. And But then he comes to see her and says, basically, I'm not giving up. 
and I'm not going to let you get up. So don't try to use your mom, your work, or what I do for a living as an excuse. And, you know, so they finally back on and Vaughn tells her, you use your one pass. Next time you decide to pull this little stunt saying you done, I'm not coming after you, which is basically what he had to do. And it's like, I'm done chasing you. Like, I can see that you want me to be for real and I'm showing you that I'm for real. And then you don't give me that same effort. And so he takes her to D.C., and she's like, you know, I don't want to see the toys part of D.C. I want to see where you grew up, grew up at. So he takes her to his, uh, through his city, but it doesn't look the same. It's been gentrified. And she says, you know, you call me privileged. This doesn't look like the hood. And he says, yeah, because they tore it all down. It didn't look like this when we used to live here. And, you know, he's just telling her about his past and how he saw people get shot before at the age of eight. And, you know, how he, what he had to do to, to survive. And she says, you ever thought why that is, though? Like, you're a good person. Why did you get this life while I had a, a house in a nice suburban area? And he says, you grew up different, but you were living your own version of hell. So it's just like, okay, yeah, you lived in a nicer neighborhood, but your life wasn't great either. I forgot to mention that he brought her to D.C. for Jaden's birthday. And when he brought her into the party, of course, Joni, being a bitter baby mama, acted a fool. And at one point, he, like, raises his hand to, like, put it in her face, not hit her. And she says, you will put your hands on me? So, of course, this causes a big commotion. And everybody is telling him that he's wrong because he should have told Joni that he was bringing Brooklyn. It's like, yeah, she probably would have still acted a fool because that's just what she do, but she would have known. You kind of sprung it on her and you set Brooklyn up. And then like after they had gotten to that fight, Brooklyn tried to come and check on him and he yells at her like, you know, I say, give me a fucking minute. And then he comes back later trying to apologize. And she's like, you know, why did you set me up? And he says, I'm used to moving on my own way, not really considering other people's feelings. And he's like, you know, I don't understand why she acts that way when she's the one that messed up our relationship. And she's like, what do you mean? And he says, you know, like once he got into business and he started popping, it, it became too much for her. So he was traveling, you know, trying to make money and she felt neglected. So she, she started cheating with uh chino and she swears that she didn't but i guess it's like a known fact that she did and chino probably couldn't wait to say that he did it so it's just like you know like you really can't deny that fact so it's like how you gonna mess us up and now every chance you get you just being a bitter baby mama and this is when he also tells brooklyn that he loves her and once again, Joni runs to Instagram talking about he put his hands on me. And I don't I don't understand how any woman can be with a man who neglects his child. And it's like, whatever. Um, so soon it's going to be Vaughn's birthday. And Brooklyn wants to put together something nice for him. But it's like, what do you get the man that has everything and you know you really ain't got money like that so anyway Vaughn comes to her apartment 
And, you know, they're chilling. And then there's a knock on her door. And it's like 10 o'clock at night. So he's like, who's at your door? It's Ja. His mom, her mom called him. And I'm like, that's something I also don't understand. Why does my mom have your number? But he's like, your mom called. She wasn't feeling good. And she said she couldn't get in touch with you. And it's just like, so you show up to my place? You don't ever just pop up at my house. First of all, I don't care who you are. I don't care how cool, you know, our relationship is, whatever. You need to call before you pop up. And it's like, who are you to be questioning me about my mama? That's not your business. And he's like, you know, I went over to go check on her. And she said, she's been calling you, but you won't answer what's going on. It's like, once again, I don't owe you no damn explanation. I'm not talking to my mama and it is what it is. And he says, Brooklyn, we need to talk. What's going on? You haven't seen your mom in over a month. You're running around with this? Talk to me. And it's like, nigga, you're not my daddy. You're my ex-boyfriend. I don't owe you no explanation. And he says, your mom needs you. And Brooklyn has a point. She says, she needs to learn how to stand on her own. I can't keep enabling her. And you shouldn't either. And it's like, all of a sudden, he is the spokesperson for Sabrina. Like, she has a broken tailbone. Now is it the time for a lesson. This is the exactly the right time for a lesson. She can pick herself up and start doing things on her own and getting herself together. She has always had Brooklyn to rely on. And it's just like, this is a repeating cycle of saying the same old, same old. And it's just like, again, why are you here? And it's like, Brooklyn has another good point. She says... How did that broken uh, tailbone happen? She was doing something that she had no business doing. Because if she hadn't been drinking, she would have seen what she was doing. And we wouldn't be here right now. And, you know, don't... And she says, don't judge me like I've abandoned her. I want you to say that because it ain't none of his goddamn business. And he says, that's exactly what you've done. I get it. You're tired, but there's a better way to handle things. And this isn't it. She fell and couldn't get up. Thankfully, she could reach for the phone to call for help. To call you? And Brooklyn kind of has a mini meltdown. She says, better yet, do you think it's easy to constantly have to take care of her? I'm the child. I am the child. For once, I want her to take care of me. I'm tired of taking care of her. And she starts crying. And Vaughn comes comes from the back and says, you're upsetting her. And that upsets me. And you don't want to see me upset. So it's time for you to go. And once again, he says, I'm not saying your feelings are wrong, but there's a better way to go about it. She physically isn't able right now. It's not the time to be trying to teach her a lesson because you want to be stuck up under him. And it's just like, so that's what this is about? You feel a way about my new man? Like, we not together. I don't owe you nothing. Get the fuck out, man. And... After he leaves, Vaughn tells her, you know, you got some explaining to do. Why does he feel comfortable, you know, pop popping up at your crib like this? And it sounds real accusatory. So she's like, you know what? You can leave. I don't cheat. So we're not even going to have this conversation. And, of course, they make up at the end because he's like, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. whoop de whoop So it's Vaughn's birthday and Talia is helping her set up the hotel room. But she's having second thoughts. She's like, you know... What if he thinks it's stupid? Like, why am I so nervous? And they bring up the other night about him having an attitude about her even possibly 
cheating or doing something with Jay. And Talia says, you know, men can dish it out, but they can never take it. So, she has a, uh, after his birthday, which, you know, turned out to be great. She got him gifts. She took him out to dinner. It was basically trading places in book form. You know, just think about that. It was real cute. So their relationship is going really well for a while. You know, she's supporting him traveling to shows and interviews and being by his side. And, you know, he supported her business. She even got an interview segment on a show, you know, to promote herself. And he does a video chatting, asking her some questions. And it's real cute. Until one night, she's going out with her girls and he decides to go out. Well, he has a um a club appearance. And Xavier is there with Ambrielle. And then some woman approaches him saying, you know, like, I want to sleep with you, but I won't tell nobody. And the very next morning, Chantel, Chantel Chanel, his manager slash cousin, comes in. And shows him a video of it looked like him kissing all over this woman and her going down on him. So he tries to call Brooklyn, but she doesn't answer. So he has Chanel call and she basically breaks off the whole thing. So there's a lot of her, you know, working on herself and basically just cutting him off. So it's like, it's basically over. But... Like how I thought this whole book, because Xavier was a creep. He been looking at Brooklyn, saying a little sly shit, but ain't nothing happened. And then you also have Ambriel, who is the same way. And that night, he said something about Ambriel, like, I'm going to have to tell Brooklyn about that, you know, watch out for her. But it's like, how can you notice the shadiness in Ambriel, but you can notice it in your own friend? Because Xavier just gives off creep vibes. But the fact that you've known him your own, your whole childhood, you're willing to let it go. So, she, um, excuse me. Later on down the line, Brooklyn finds out that it was actually Ambriel who set it up with the stripper to drug him. They drugged his drink and, you know, she just made it appear like they had sex, but they didn't really have sex. So she beats Ambriel's ass and then she gets Naaman, Naaman, Naaman to uh, help her set it up to get Vaughn back. Because it's just like, you know, I'm so sorry that I didn't believe you. But it's like, come on now, looking at this video, it ain't like I just listened to some random bird in my ear. It really looked like you cheated on me. But he tells her, you know, next time listen to what I say. So once again, they're back on and it's great until her birthday. It's like there well, she, there was a party at the club for her. But then later on that night at his house, you know, she's been drinking, they dancing, whoop de whoop, whatever. But she gets a little too drunk and passes out. So Vaughn takes her upstairs to their bedroom and he comes back down and at some point, he goes up to check on Brooklyn again, and he finds Xavier in between her legs. And it's just like, you know, he blacks out. So he whooping, like pistol whooping him with a gun, and he wants to kill him, but he doesn't. And it's just like, you know, 
there's been warnings of him to watch him, but he's just like, you know, no, that's my childhood friend. That's my childhood friend. I'm a, you know, I'm a keep an eye on him. But it's like, how much more do you need to keep an eye on him when you got all these shady instances of him not being right? But, you know, so they finally got the snakes about their grass, about their circle. And they have their happily ever after. Vaughn was also nominated for three Grammys. So the night of the Grammys, he proposed, proposed, he proposed to me. He proposed with the diamond ring. Let me stop. I'm <laughs> Kelly Price, I am so sorry that I would do that to your song. Um, and that's it. So they got engaged. Because it's like, they didn't even, well, not they, but the author, like, she cut it off on them at the red carpet, not uh, actually going in. So, it's just like, we don't know if he won or not, but, you know, everything is great. Because he got his woman. Oh, no, I lied. Damn, how could I forget? I'm looking dead at my notes. Uh, he walked away with two, <laughs> two awards, so... He got his woman and two Grammys that same night. So life is great for the Swiss. And they are going to live happily ever after. Stunning on you hoes. Okay, my beautiful people. That is the end of this episode of Read a Book, Record a Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it with all my rambling and talking in circles. But I really enjoyed the book. Go check her out. Her name is Kaylin. That is K-A-Y-L-Y-N. And the book is Trust My Love, Not Their Lies. And she has plenty more books. And you can find her on Amazon, Kindle Unlimited. That's where I find the majority of my books. Just to give you guys a head up, heads up. Or I've already bought them. And they're sitting on my little miniature bookcase. So yeah, if any books that I read... I either have them or they're on Kindle Unlimited. And I should start announcing that you can find them on there if you want to read them as well. Peace and blessings, my beautiful people. <laughs>